the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get all the NFL coverage you want leading into training camp. It's training camp week for a lot of teams. Uh, I just tweeted out the sort of notable schedule here for how this thing's going get to get us to the regular season. Roster cut dates, final cuts, waivers, practice squad timing. And then when we're in season, what happens with waivers? What happens at the trade deadline? Um, all those dates are now available, all locked in. I did tweet that at SpotTrack. That's all being talked about at The Athletic, including a topic I'm going to get to at the back end of the show, which is possibly right. my assessment of what could be the deficiency or the misstep that each NFL team took this year. Mike Sando, uh, a bunch of the NFL guys took a crack at this. I agree in a lot of cases. In some other cases, from my standpoint, from the financial side of things, I think there are bigger <laughs> bigger sirens blaring uh, for some of these organizations. So I'm going to quickly run through that at the back side of this with Scott. But uh, to start here, look, let's talk golf. The Open Championship is my favorite because it is so unpredictable. And it wasn't this year. And I was like, how am I going to handle this? Because the weather's good. This is an easier course. It's not going to be this grueling experience that we like to see. It's kind of like a, why I like to watch soccer, <laughs> you know, or play soccer or coach soccer. It's because I, uh, I enjoy both the mix of strategy and a little bit of athletic pain, right? Exertion. We didn't get that. You know, Marikawa went minus 15, which is unheard of. I believe the final Sunday scoring was the best scoring in the history of the open. So, um, certainly wasn't the prototypical British open by any means, but Morikawa is the real deal. This is his second big, big major under 25 years old. You know, you've seen a million of those stats now bouncing around. I don't need to go there, but monetarily speaking, he just cashed in another 2 million plus, which brings him to 6.95 million this year. He's now number one in the PGA. That's how it works. When you're consistent top tenors, you know, your ROMs, your Spies, you're all up there now in t- terms of 2021 earnings. And Morikawa is quickly climbing, climbing that career earning pool as well. He's out of the top 100 still right now. I think he's at like 15 million and change. But it's been a hell of a run for a young kid. And look, we said this about Spieth maybe 10 years ago now. And Spieth had three under his belt. And, you know, eight, nine was really extremely possible, if not within his reach at that point. And look what happened. A complete, you know, I don't know if he got the yips. I don't know if it was pressure. I don't know if it was just the aging process and being a celebrity and everything that went with it. But he has totally flipped over as most do, right? (laughs) There's a reason there's only one Tiger Woods. But this kid's got a little bit of roboticness to him that, uh, man, when he's putting, I don't know who's better. I really don't. And I know that's that's extremely cliched, but he's doing big man things at 24 years old and he's got the majors now to prove it. So we'll keep an eye on those earnings. Like I said, number one in the PGA right now after this victory, Rom had another great run, another top five. He's way up there. Obviously, Spieth in second. I think I believe Spieth pulled in about 1.2 million today. He's, uh, he's knocking on that door. He's going to break it down eventually, but not this year in terms of majors. This was the final one. So we'll finish off here with the FedEx Cup and... Uh, Look forward to next year. It's been fun following golf this year, honestly. With the uh, you know the lack of fans to, to start the seasons early on in this in 2021, golf has been pushing through. 
and it's looked the realest, it's felt the realest, and now obviously it is back to being real. But it was kind of nice to to soak in some PGA when we needed it most. And I'm going to stick with it. This, there's a really nice young crop of players here that are easy to root for. It's not unlike how I feel about Major League Baseball right now and how there's at least a dozen players in Major League Baseball spread out across the league that I could watch an every, you know, a Wednesday night. You want to give me Tatis Jr. on a Wednesday night? I'm in. <laughs> you know, Acuna Jr., all those players. So it's kind of how I feel about this tour, and Morikawa is now at the top of that list. He's the he's the guy everybody's looking at now because of the age, because of the consistency, and uh, he's also atop the money list. Okay, in terms of what may be coming down the pipeline, we'll probably do another show Wednesday evening. I believe we will have Keith Smith back at the, on that one because we'll be flipping the switch to the NBA offseason. We may have a winner by then. I believe it'll be close enough. If we don't, if it goes to a Game 7... Um, maybe we'll hold off on the pod because I'd like to do some sort of NF NBA offseason kickoff with him. You know, we've talked some free agents, we talked some options. We have all the option deadlines, which is really important in terms of who's going to be a free agent, who may be signed and traded, those kind of things. So we'll start with some option discussions, some free agent discussions, some updates on cap and practical cap space with Keep. He's been doing a ton of work on that and uh, get ourselves kicked off on the right foot for the forthcoming two and a half weeks or so new NBA league year. So that's probably the plan for the end of this week. And then at some point in time over the next 10 days, because we have a July 30th major league baseball trade deadline, we will certainly bring, bring back cousin Dan and maybe uh Hembo as well, our buddy and, and talk about some of these names. It's been somewhat quiet to start, but look, you know, the Yankees lose another one against the Red Sox here and, and who knows where that's going to go. The Yankees are now COVID mess, injury mess, you know, in the standings, a mess. That's certainly the team in the in the AL to watch right now. What will they do about this, if anything? And uh, obviously, conversely, it's the Cubs who have started the process with Jock Peterson to the Braves. How far will this go? Will this be Rizzo? Will this be Javi Baez? Will this be Chris Bryant, Craig Kimbrell? Plenty of names that could still go off that roster. So at some point over the next two or three shows, we will have a major, major, major league baseball trade deadline piece as well. And of course, we've uh, officially launched our NBA ma- our NBA roster manager tool. I'll try to say that seven times. And I think the feedback's been okay. We've had a couple of people say, how about this? What about this? And Scott's been working his butt off to make sure we're up to snuff on as much as possible. I can tell you right off the top here, the one thing we, we aren't doing is we are not including draft picks inside of the trade manager as of right now. It's coming. It's a phase two thing, but it's sort of pointless. Um it's really just kind of funny money for you. And like, I understand that if you're going to do something that you want to be able to push out the socials, you want to be able to say, you know, we traded Bradley Beal to the Portland Trailblazers from a column and two first, something like that. I get it. Um, and you want to be able to show that inside the tool when we're, when you're sharing, when you're publishing, we'll get to that point, And maybe it's nothing more than that because really there's no financial implications to the draft picks. And that's why Scott sort of left it out of the first phase here. Um, but we are tracking, we are databasing the draft picks so that we have draft pools for all these teams. If you go to the Washington Wizards on their 2021 cap table, you'll see that there's a cap hold for their number one pick right now and, and so forth and so forth. So, you know, all the uh, all the ingredients are there for us to make this thing even better. But please use it. Uh, com slash MBA slash manage or just go to your favorite team on Track. There's a big old button saying manage this roster right there. Then you'll be taken immediately to that GM tool where you can tinker as much as possible. Use it, break it, 
tell us what's good. Tell us what's bad. Uh, we, we obviously just want to make this the best it can be between myself and Scott and Keith, who have all had some eyes eyeballs on this thing at one point in time. But please, 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 uh, feedback required on this thing because it's it's a big animal from from the back end side of it. It's a lot of data. There's a lot of exceptions, a lot of moving parts. So, you know, we know it's not going to be perfect out of the gate here, but we want it to be. We want it to be as good of a tool as possible for all you NBA fans out there who like to tinker in the off season and even during the season and certainly at the trade deadline as well. All right, let's uh, let's bring in Scott and run through the NFL real quick. But first, today's Spot Track podcast is presented by Balanced Bridge Funding, who have been providing cost-friendly capital solutions to professional athletes since 2015. Balanced Bridge has dedicated professionals who understand the industry and are ready to customize a repayment plan catered to your client's situation and financial objectives. Borrow wisely and cost-effectively. Avoid broker fees with no prepayment penalties if you decide to pay it back early. Whether your client is under contract and simply needs a bridge against guaranteed earnings, a free agent looking to invest or make a purchase on earnings for the next contract, or looking to borrow for any other reason, let Balance Bridge get a look, provide a solution, and be a resource for you and your client today. Visit balancebridge.com. That's balancedbridge.com. All right, Scott, let's talk NFL. Um, I'd rather not bounce around too much, because, even though there's plenty going on here. I mean, we could spend an hour and a half talking about the Major League Baseball injured list, honestly, right now, Scott, <laughs> now, now that the Grom is there. I mean, we have a Hall of Fame roster on the IL right now in Major League Baseball, but let's let's try to make it as, as positive as possible, even though what I'm about to tell you is <laughs> I, I want to tell you what every team did wrong this offseason. <laughs> so... So I guess I didn't tee that up very well. Let's start with the Bills. Off the top of your head, because this is a team you follow. Can you read my mind? What is the one thing this team... All right, maybe there's two obvious glaring things. One roster related and one contract related. Tight end. That's that's the roster. And... Josh Allen extension. There you go. All right. (laughs) Um, And I don't even know if the latter is a mistake yet. I don't. I think I've talked myself into the point of it's probably best for both sides to wait this thing out a little bit because from from Josh's standpoint, the NFL is only getting richer, you know, and quarter, right. and quarterbacks are only getting more powerful. So, you know, I guess having a little bit of a step back year productively is somewhat of a scare, but I, I got no no qualms about that. And everybody around the Buffalo Bills says the tight end position is just fine right now, that they believe in Dawson Knox, a third round pick that the acquisition of Jacob Hollister from Seattle is a buy low, you know, could be a good ceiling kind of move because he's got a relationship. I I believe they went to college together, him and Josh Allen, I I believe. Don't quote me on that, even though this is a quotable moment. Um, Just that there's a complimentary piece there that Knox could go and catch 50 balls and that this could be a non-issue. They're still a Zach Ertz candidate, right? Yeah, you have to think so. If they if, if there's an upgrade, you have to take a chance at it. All right. Actually, let's make this a guessing game now that I've done one of this already. Uh, Miami Dolphins are next. What did the Miami Dolphins not do, in your opinion? Mm, not trade for Deshaun That Watson is exactly the have. answer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not their fault. Uh, but yeah, no, it's not. I think the uh, the low hanging fruit that is Tua right now, and and I hope I'm wrong in this one because I think he's a he's a great kid, and he was a hell of a good watch in college. 
But that's just not, it doesn't always translate. It doesn't always translate. So I, I do think that they could be in a holding pattern year. I, mean, I thought they had a really good 2020. They made some real big steps forward to, to almost to contention, by the way, in that AFC East. And I just think that they're stuck in mud right now. And, and maybe purposely so because they're letting this Watson thing figure itself out. This could be a November 1st trade still. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Because, especially if he's on the exempt list or suspended for eight games or whatever it is. I, I don't think this is a, a written storybook by any means, but I do think that is the area that if they improve right now at the quarterback position, and, and that's not fair to Tua, but also it is fair to Tua because I don't know if this team has time for him to grow up is my point. This team is ready to win defensively. They've made a couple of, of smart offensive moves internally and externally. If they had better quarterback play right now, I think they're legitimately competing with the Bills. So to me, that that's the position to watch immediately out of the gate. Um, go ahead. So FanDuel Sportsbook has Miami Dolphins at over under nine and a half. And Bills where? Ten and a half? Probably a game ahead of them. Eleven. Eleven. Okay. So, so let's do I this, bring, let's bring do this divisionally, because... Scott. Hold off. Hold off. Okay. Let's, get, let's run through the AFC East, then we'll talk about the win totals because I want to see how they compare to each other. But good, good on you bringing that up. Uh, Patriots, boy, there's a couple of ways to look at this. Uh, the Stefan Gilmore contract from our standpoint is certainly the glaring elephant in the room right now. It's been, it's been staring me in the face since the last November when they restructured that thing. And he had a $7 million compensation for this year. You know, at that point, I, it just doesn't seem, look, I know he's taking a step back. He's not a $70 million guy anymore, but the top cornerback in the league, Jalen Ramsey's making 20 million a year. You know, Stefan Gilmore, even if he's above average, but not elite, you're worth 14 to 15 to 16 million a year. So he's making half of that right now. Comments, you know, and I get it. He signed the contract. He allowed for the restructure. Fine. It's the last year of his contract. This isn't a situation where, you know, he's trying to get out of, a, of, of a, the middle of a contract that he's no longer happy in. This is it. This is the time when most teams extend or move on from their players. So he's got a bit of a gripe here. He's going to hold out. He's going to hold out of camp and uh, suck up the fines and all that good stuff. So this is only the beginning of the Stefan Gilmore situation. What else about the Patriots bothers you, though? Possibly that running back position. Okay. I, I think they're okay there with that kid. The wide receiver position to me is troubling. The fact that, you know, Nelson Aguilar was so highly overpaid to basically be the guy there is is scary to me. But I, I'm going to take a more global approach in that you and I have been doing this stuff for a long time, almost 15 years with all these sports. When a team tries as hard as the Patriots tried this offseason, I mean, they really tried. More contracts than they've ever signed, more money than the, that they've ever let out, more roster moves at the like at the peak time to do it, right? March 13th, March 14th, the Patriots are all in. We're generally, this is a team that's waiting until June, till July, till right now to make some roster moves to, to sort of outsmart the process. This was a rebuilding on the fly New England Patriots. It just really never works. You know, I mean, when, when teams try to build a super team through free agency or via the trade all at one time, it just, it just doesn't work no matter what sport you're in. So I, I wonder if there, this was a bit of an overreaction to a down year, to a non-Brady year, and that instead of slow playing and sort of trying to do this in a two to three year plan, like most teams do, that they really threw everything at, at it at once 
and it may be it may backfire spectacularly on them, especially if Cam Newton isn't even close to Cam Newton, and then you're relying on Mac Jones. I mean, that whole situation could be the fuel to just a huge dumpster fire, right? Yeah, it could. You're right. What well, one of the glaring uh, things that I do see with the New England Patriots is their defensive line. They're fourth last in defensive line sure. spending in the in the league right now. And I, I clicked to see who the players are. I, I couldn't have even told you one of these guys <laughs> that are on on their defensive line. So I, I think that could potentially be an issue moving forward. Obviously, they're heavy on their secondary and their linebackers, yeah. but. Um, you got to have guys that are going to be able to pressure the quarterback, especially in well, the in the East. You say that, but you know they had a, they had a retirement happen. Uh, you know, I mean, a notable secondary retirement. And now, what happens with Gilmore? Because Gilmore is not the best cornerback in the league, but he's the best cornerback on this team. And if he's not playing for them in 2021, now you've got a, a weak secondary and possibly a weak defensive line. Certainly not a, a financially allocated defensive line. You've rebuilt this offensive line basically on the fly, which I applaud them for, honestly. But a lot of things could go wrong is my point. I think they're a ticking time bomb. Yeah, yeah it may be behoove them to trade Gilmore and get get a defensive lineman and maybe a middle-tier you know, secondary instead of trading him and getting picks, which is always what you know teams try to do. That might be a move to up, update their offensive or their defensive line and secondary at the same time. If you get two players for one, it's weird that they're playing hardball with it, knowing what we've just said, you know what I mean? Like I don't know that anybody's super confident in any of these areas with this team. And and they're, they're still trying to play old Patriots hardball, you know? So I just wonder, I wonder where this thing goes. It's fascinating. Do you, do you think maybe they're real quick so we can move on? Do you think that maybe they're, they're slow playing it because a, they've got a potential Mac Jones, upgrade after cam newton so if they don't do well and they end up in you know a top 10 pick again then that helps them moving forward and then they can just reset next year and they're sort of i would say that that, but but that's not how this season went Uh, to me they they put all their chips in this offseason as if to say we are not a rebuilding franchise we're going to be able to that make it. True. We're going to be able to make it work with these 18 moves that we made this offseason, and it's going to be. Let's get back to where we belong from here. So, to, to me, to to go anywhere backwards, if we're talking top 10 draft pick, then the concern that I brought to the table here initially is exactly what happened. Everything blew up. <laughs> okay, and it's. I just think that's possible. You know, they, they could very well be a a nine and eight team, or a ten and you know seven team, but. I think they could also very easily be a four and thirteen team. Is my point, yeah. and uh, just because it may need a year to maturate, maybe Mac Jones comes in week three, and you know how that usually works the first year. So, speaking of which, let's talk about the Jets. Haven't signed Zach Wilson yet. They're trying to trade their in- high-paid inside linebacker CJ Moser. They've been trying all freaking year. It ain't gonna happen because you gave him eighteen or sixteen million dollars when nobody else was even paid, getting paid eleven. So, I. Uh, I think it's it's good steps forward on this team. I, I like a lot of the moves they've made. I'm concerned that they still don't have any credibility in the league. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like you can't do. you can't do this on your own. It is very very rare that you draft 80 percent of your roster that you make two or three free agent moves all by yourself 
and everything just comes together. You need somebody else's trash to want to come to you and then mm-hmm. you can fix them and make it work. You need one of those trades, you know, a Stefan Diggs is going to be the big, the big trade to talk about for the next couple of years. You need something like that. You need, you need a, a, an embattled situation with a great player that, that chooses you to some degree. And I don't know if that's happening either with other organizations, front offices, or with players right now for the Jets. So, yes, they were 2-14. and 14. They do have a quarterback, I believe. I don't know if he's the quarterback. He's not, he's not under contract yet, so that's somewhat questionable. But I just wonder if this team needs the entire year just to earn a little clout. That's all. And, and even if they win six games, it may be such a, a lucid six games that it's only going to get them one step up the ladder in terms of how they can manage themselves next offseason because they still may have you know, a Marcus May problem, uh, just a lot of problems to deal with. And I wonder if they may have to take one more step back before they go forward. Oh, by the way, they should have taken that step back last year and gone 1-15 so that Trevor Lawrence would be in New York right now. But I'm not going to harp on that anymore. Uh, by right. the way, that will always be the worst part of this offseason for them. That they yes, did, that they will. didn't draft Trevor Lawrence. Okay, AFC yeah. East win projection, Scott. What do you got? Yeah, so Buffalo Bills, I already said, was eleven wins. The New England Patriots are at nine. They're second. Miami Dolph- uh, sorry, Miami Dolphins nine and a half. Okay. New England Patriots nine, and then the uh, New York Jets are at six. Okay, so I basically just said that out loud. Okay, I'm good with all that because I. Like I said, the Patriots could go nine and eight. And that's probably what they should be is nine and eight. But just watch for four and thirteen. That's my only thoughts on that. Baltimore Ravens, Scott, what do you think? Did they do enough the wide receiver position? Probably not. They probably could have done more on that aspect. Yeah, I think so. That's generally the the thought process. You know, I like that they went and tried to get a couple of these veterans. Nobody said yes. They sort of have that. Jets, you know, reputation problem. I don't know if that's Lamar, Lamar Jackson thing. Do you think wide receivers like a T.Y. Hilton, like a Juju Smith-Schuster, like, you know, these players who are rumored to be going there, do you think they look at Lamar Jackson as a liability to their pr- production? I'm sure it comes up in conversation between them and their agent for don't sure. Don't you think? Don't you think there's 30 other quarterbacks they'd rather be at even if the team is worse? Because, you know, it's like Allen Robinson in Chicago. He didn't care that Trubisky threw 45 interceptions because he threw him 80 balls and 1,200 receiving yards. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know what I'm that, saying. That, yeah, that's a great observation for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I just wonder if if the reputation thing has to do with the style of play that Lamar Jackson has brought to the table. He's two years removed from an MVP. He's negotiating his own extension. I, I can't wait to see how this goes. I, I am giddy. I, I'm literally giddy as a financial, a financial guy that, that, that watches this stuff to see what kind of contract uh, Lamar Jackson negotiates for himself because it could be fantastic. It could be, you know, it could be a situation with, remember Richard Sherman when he did this and the world kind of exploded for, for four hours because he, mm-hmm. he took about $4 million less than we all thought he was going to make. And he had like all these incentive-based things. You know, it was just... It was such a prideful contract, which is that's why you hire an agent. Get the pride and get your heart out of it. Like, let somebody go and strike you gold. You know, I, I, I'm I'm fascinated to see where that goes. The Bengals did a lot on the offensive line, Scott. Um, they did bring in wide receivers via the draft again. They they seem to be really excited, offensively speaking, 
about the process of a, you know, the possibility of a healthy Joe Burrow and what this could mean. But they really gutted this defense and purposely. To me, they're in, they're still in that let's, let's continue to slide back a little bit financially speaking and clean up some mud before we can polish this thing and really make a push. I, I don't know. What do you, do you even have a sense of the Cincinnati Bengals? I don't, I'm not even sure like the national spotlight does, right? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the, all the answer you need. Right there. Let's move on. <laughs> I, 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 I think, you know, a, a lot's going to depend on where Burrow is coming back from that injury. And if that offensive line, all right, let me ask you this, sustain them. You taking him in fantasy as maybe your second quarterback. Is that right? Probably. Yeah, probably as a second because right. his his ceiling is going to be higher than expected. So if for some reason, and if you have a keeper for the following year, so if right. you you take him and you're able to keep him, and then say he does do gangbusters here in the second half of the season, then if See, you were able to draft him points. late, yeah. Well, if you were able to draft him late, you could use him in a keeper the following year. However, you're you're league structures it ours is you just take him the next round up but if you are taking him in you know the 11th 12th round and you can get him next year in that next you know i think that's right i i think like a burrow and a mixon are really sneaky good picks here from a fantasy perspective this is going to be like an arizona cardinals type situation for me where they may not be the best team in their division or in the in the world right now but the pieces seem to be coming together nicely i i kind of like at least what I'm seeing on paper from this team, that's probably where it's going to end though. I like a lot of what I'm seeing from this team. You and I have talked about this quite a bit from a betting standpoint, from a a projection standpoint, I'm kind of uh, all in on the Cleveland Browns here. And, and to me, Scott, the deficiency is a positive. The fact that they haven't signed Baker Mayfield is correct to me. So I, I'm not sure I have one. I mean, they did everything, you know, I mean, look, they can, they brought in clowny late and maybe they could have kept the cover, you know, some of their old defensive line intact, which was actually one of the better ones in the league. It still is now. I like, I like, uh, I like bringing clowny into this defensive line specifically, Scott, because he's going to have such a limited role. There are so much power. There's so many powerhouses on that offensive line or defensive line and, and in the linebacker core that they're going to ask him to do one or two things and he's going to be great at it. So I think it's a perfect marriage. I think it's exactly right. Um, But I I do think that their weakness is their strength right now. The fact that they have not given Baker Mayfield $115 million guaranteed at this juncture, I think is exactly right. Now, you know, spoiler, they're my Super Bowl pick from the AFC. They're my AFC champion right now in terms of how I'm thinking, I'm laying things out. So if they let it get... (laughs) to January and they still haven't signed Baker Mayfield. Well, that could become fun. Now, now you're talking Joe Flacco type stuff where Flacco won the Super Bowl and he's going to have to be the top everything, top guarantee, top average paid. You know how that works. So, you know, it could, it could backfire five to $6 million on them at the end of the day. I, I don't care if I'm them because that just means we won the Super Bowl or, or went to the Super Bowl. So I, I love how they're, how they're handling this. I think the young front office has been brilliant. How long until Beckham is traded? No, I can't see it. No, I I, I think they have to give him his due. And look, the injury stuff sucks. And that's the reason we're having this conversation, because otherwise I think he's pretty productive and he's happy with a couple of the guys that are around him. 
but he probably can't stay healthy. So honestly, that question is probably going to answer itself. He just can't play 16, 17 games. He can't do it. So I, I don't know if he's even tradable right now. He's fully guaranteed this year. He had an injury guarantee that kicked in. I don't know that he's tradable right now. So I think I think he's there for this process, however however he can produce or not. Tell me what okay. the Pittsburgh Steelers did wrong this year. <laughs> what did they do right? <laughs> uh, flip it back on that. Um, Juju Smith Schuster for eight million dollars is pretty right. I don't know how the okay. hell they got, I, I don't know how the hell they did that, but they did it. Yeah. I, oh, okay. I, I'll go. I'll give you some. I'll give they you some multiple not, choice options. Signing signing back Ben to a restructured contract. Okay. Drafting Najee Harris when they did. Okay. Uh, they haven't signed have, T.J. Watt yet, which to me, it's T.J. Watt's situation is important because if he doesn't sign, that's a huge red flag this offseason because he is smelling or his agent is telling him, Hey man, hold off because this team might be an absolute disaster and it may be rip the bandaid off rebuild next year. You know what I mean? Like it may be a, a complete 180 of where you you've been your first three years of your career. So it's important for, so of those three options, you know, where are you in terms of your head with this team? I'm going to go Najee Harris slash Right in vote of they still have not figured out their plan B for Ben yeah. going off into the sunset. Okay. Okay. Good. Good call. Win projections for the AFC North. Yeah. So Baltimore's at 11, Cleveland's at 10 and a half, Pittsburgh's at eight and a half, Cincinnati is at, or sorry, Pittsburgh's at eight and a half, Cincinnati's at six and a half. Yeah, there's a lot of parity here. Yeah, I, I I don't like the Baltimore at 11. Too high for you? Too high for me, yeah. I just like Cleveland. So I, I'm not even worried about the rest of the division. I'm just all in on that roster right now. And and uh, I and I could see, depending on how, you know, the, the, the Pittsburgh, if Ben can stay healthy, th- that eight and a half could be much under sure eight and a half sure so but we'll have a whole show on that we're with cousin dan probably a little round table scott but that's a division that we all have to really kind of talk out together because <laughs> you know it's not like Pittsburgh is going to be awful i mean they're going to be competent but can they be competent enough to beat the rest of the teams in a division that's the discussion to have in my opinion yeah and, and we'd have to take a look at their their schedule too yep depending on who who are they playing this season i haven't looked at the schedules to to say one way or another but that could be a huge factor if they're playing a a heavy strength schedule versus a weak schedule who are the i'll tell you uh, what you got to do scott cuz i just received it this uh, today you got to read the the warren sharp nfl offseason preview and get yourself yeah, ready he for always, that. Yeah, he always does great stuff. Yep, yep. Get it out there. It's at Sharp Football on Twitter, by the way, if you want to pick up a copy of that. the uh, That'll get us ready for that win projection show, which is a lot of fun. AFC South, Houston. Signed 77 free agents to one-year deals with you know 10% guaranteed. I, they have no idea how this is going to work, so why should we? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I know. I, and I and I feel bad for him. I think you know the the, the culture changed, that the front office GM changed, head coach changed. Fine, good. This is just uh, 
treading in water year. I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to rip them anymore. Truly, I'm not going to rip them anymore. The Colts. Here's the problem I have with the Colts right now. Um, I'm not going to knock the Carson Wentz thing because there were a lot of directions they could have gone with the with the retirement of Philip Rivers, you know. And and look, the Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson wasn't one of them. Even though I bet I bet they were way up high on the list of of places to get him. So when that faded, and when the Aaron Rodgers situation faded, it was probably Stafford and then a lot of Plan Ds, right? When they missed on Stafford, rightfully so. I, I mean, look, Stafford's going to choose the Rams a hundred times out of a hundred. I get it. This is probably an okay plan B because they weren't the number two pick. They couldn't just go and get one of the top quarterbacks out of the draft. So I'm okay here with Carson Wentz. I'm not going to kill him for that. I'm actually going to kill him for something that they haven't done yet, which is you've got like four legitimate you know, rookies ready to be extended and you're sitting on your hands. And fine, we just got out of a pandemic. Not all the teams made the money. They might, I think they just split like $300 million each where generally that's like half a million or half a billion. Fine. The numbers are all skewed a little bit, but it's not a good look to, to let these things dangle. It's just not a good look. You know, that, that's reason number one to extend your superstar rookies after year three when they first become eligible. You want to make sure. We talked about the clout and the reputation with the Jets and, and those kind of teams. You want to make sure that you are doing right by all facets so that your trades are fair, that your free agent signings have good structure, and that you take care of your own when they do well for you on their rookie contract. I mean, they've paid you know Quentin Nelson nothing. They've, played, they've paid Braden Smith nothing. Darius Leonard, basically nothing. You got to give these guys something to think about now. They shouldn't be sitting at home with, you know, talking to their agents or having their buddies razz them like, hey, man, when are you going to get your $50 million? You know, get that out of the, the equation. Get these guys under contract. Make it work. You've got a nice organization with a nice team right now. So I'm, I'm a little concerned that they're not doing enough internally right now. But that's it. I like this team a lot. The Jaguars, Scott, what's wrong with Urban Meyer's first offseason here? Anything? I guess the easy answer is the Tim Tebow show, sure. but um, I'm outside of that. I don't know. I, I, everything I've heard about is obviously the offense with Etienne Lawrence. You okay with Etienne? I am. I think a I lot am. of people would say that move specifically. I'm okay with it because you're matching up quarterback with running back. Yep. And if, if that works out, then it makes the Jaguars look like geniuses yeah. for doing so. And it just it allows you to have at least four or five or six, depending on fifth year options, franchise tags, whatever sure. of stability at the quarterback and running back position if they work out really well and have that continued chemistry. So I do not have an issue with that at all. I, I like the player a lot, Etienne. I'm going to, on a more global register, Scott, I'm going to use that as my, as my example of what I'm worried about with this team. Uh, we talk about a lot, a lot when the right time to strike is in certain cases, right? And we also talk about the staggering process. I'm a little worried that Jacksonville did a little bit too much this year. I think, I think they should have been a lot more boring with the moves they made surrounding Trevor Lawrence's draft, which is just load up the lines, both sides of the ball. Load up the D line, load up the offensive line. You know, make sure your secondary is up to snuff so you're not getting blown out of games and you're not deflating Trevor Lawrence's confidence out of the gate. But 
that ETN pick, while it's probably going to pan out, especially for fantasy owners, um, that could have been a boring center or a guard or something like that, that, you know, makes all the fans groan initially. But three years later, you know, he, he's just one of those guys. You're just like, man, I'm so glad this dude's on a roster. I, 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 you know, I don't even care that we have to pay him $15 million a year now. It's just one of those guys. I thought that could have been, you know, something that the Dallas Cowboys did for years and years and years, which was, man, Jerry loves taking superstar weapons, but he took three, four years of centers and guards and right tackles and, and defensive ends and, and the right moves to, to really foundationally build around a, a Romo slash Dak situation that they had already in, in store. So I'm, I'm worried they went a little bit too flashy and not enough boring this offseason, if that makes any sense to you out there. Yep, after that explanation. it does. Okay, where are we at here? I'm losing my spot. Tennessee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me. Julio, Bud Dupree. What was it? Anything? A lot of defensive work. Yeah. I, 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 I can't kill him on the Julio trade. You know, they took a chance. Yeah. And if, if it works out, you know, they got him at a discount because they traded for him and didn't have to get him outright and, point. and pay, pay a lot of money. So I, I can't kill them because we always talk about teams having to take a risk. And this was a team that, you know, they took the risk and if it works out gangbusters and it gets them deep into the playoffs, then we're, we're all going to look back at that trade as potentially a, a linchpin of them moving forward. Um, okay. I, I don't know. I'm going to completely reverse my position that I just took on Jacksonville. If I'm the Tennessee Titans and I'm entering, entering this season and I look at Jacksonville, who we know is about to you know turn some things around here, but it's year one for Trevor Lawrence. I look at the Colts who just move on from Rivers and they bring in Carson Wentz. And I look at Houston and Deshaun's situation. Aren't you feeling pretty good if you're Tennessee? Like, shouldn't you be feeling really good, in fact, if you're Tennessee? Like, the, like maybe the only thing you have to compete with from a divisional standpoint is Carson Wentz. I would have loaded the hell up on defense. They did it a little bit. They did a little bit, but I would have gone big. I would have gone big, big, big. Like I would have gone to that front office and and to that ownership booth. And I would have said, you got to find me money in the banana stand. Because if I can get another corner and two edge rushers this off season, I think we're golden. I think we're going to, we're going to roll this division and then, and then you'll make your money back on those home playoff games. So uh, to me, they didn't really push hard enough. That's all. Yeah, that that's a great point, especially knowing what the NFC East looked like last year. And you know, that's right. If one of those teams had just gone all in, right, even at the trade deadline, just give me two guys right now. You know what I mean? You could have guaranteed yep. that division, you know, give or take. So I, I do think that, and 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 not to kill them, maybe that's something they'll do. Maybe the trade deadline is exactly where Tennessee does find that 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 final push. But. I would have done more in the offseason if I'm them. Go ahead with win, win projections for the AFC South, Scott. Wait, can I guess? Sure. Is Houston two? Higher. Four? Four. Okay. I'd still take the under. Go ahead. Indy? Yeah. Indy's at nine and a half. Tennessee's at nine. Wow. Jacksonville at six and a half. I'm, I'm surprised wow. Tennessee is below Indy. That's a lot of Carson Wentz love right there. I mean, it's not. It's not even 10, but it's, it's enough to keep them competitive. That's for sure. Um, and there you go with my point. Tennessee should have done enough to at least earn that right. The Denver Broncos, speaking to teams that did a little bit, um, I don't know. 
do you think at some point this team was actually prepared for Aaron Rodgers? Or do you think that was just the media talking? Probably more so the media. Okay. But I do agree that, uh, you know, at some point this team is going to have to figure out the quarterback position. Teddy is not going to be the future. Drew Locke is not going to be the future. I'm okay with, with that move this year though, because if it all blows up, then they'll just, they'll go real hard next year for a quarterback. So I'm okay with the one year. And if it, and if it all blows up and they end up in the top five and the quarterbacks coming out of college, you know, well, they, they, they may have a, I, I'm more thinking next year's when you're going to get Aaron Rodgers. Oh, that's <laughs> uh, the move. I don't like is bringing back Von Miller. And I hope I eat my words on that one. Cause I think he's been a, a hell of a player on a hall of fame career, but I didn't understand that option at all. And keeping him on that option and not touching the cap hit and all that stuff. Um, not that, you know, that it's physically stopped them from getting players they wanted. It may have. It, there may have been offers out there that they feel felt like they couldn't afford. But bringing him back on an $18 million cash, $22.2 million cap hit, all things considered, the off-the-field stuff, his age, his injury history, I would have gone for a different, a different avenue there. Maybe, I mean, Justin Houston's still out there. Melvin, Melvin Ingram's still out there. I think I would have just changed up pace just a little bit on that one and... uh and let him walk off to the sunset from a, his Denver career. But it's a, that's a small, small gripe, really. Uh, moving along quickly here, the Chiefs. You have a thoughts on this? They did a lot. Certainly at the lot. offensive line. Uh, to me, it's a contract that didn't get extended. Any, any guesses? Mm. Big follower over spot track. Mm. Tyron Matthew, Scott. Yeah. Tyron it, Matthew. It, Honey Badger. It was, yeah. top, it was on my tongue. Yeah. Get it out. He, uh, he's entering a contract year. He's done everything they've asked for. He's been as flexible as and versatile as needed. Um, you know, the cap hits 19.7. So they could have used that cap space. So, the, so for whatever reason, and maybe it's just a back and forth. I, I have a feeling this one's still in progress and still may get done before that September 9th opening day. But no, nor, not that it has to, it could happen in season, but um, I'm a little disappointed that the Chiefs haven't done this yet. Not only for you know his purposes to to keep him um, as happy and as and as able to you know to be focused as confident as possible, but also it's not like their window is not stopping after this year. I mean, you want to you want to have as much of this core together for the next two to three years. So I would expect a a two year extension with, which locks him in for three years here to sort of align with the rest of their group. I, I have one. I don't know if they did enough at the wide receiver position. They've got Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Then, you know, they got Pringle, Hardman, Robinson, and a whole bunch of other guys on the roster. Yeah, but let's, I, I don't let Sammy walk. If, You're right. They didn't replace if, Sammy Watkins, Scott. You're right. If Tariq Hill goes down, you've got a lot of guys at the bottom of your roster that are going to have to step up. And is that going to be enough moving forward? And it's um, a fair point. Th- 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 that's where I'm going to go. It's a really fair point. Yeah. It's something to keep an eye Certainly at the trade deadline, I'd be looking at that one. If that's where they end up having to go because they, uh, they sort of limped into it with a lot of inexperience, even though I think there's a lot of talent there. The inexperience could, could come back to bite them. It's a good point by you. The Raiders basically rebuilt their offensive line when nobody thought they had to, but I actually like it now. I killed them in March and February when they were doing this, but... The, the deals that they were able to pull back, sign, you know, the extension for Colton. I, I think that actually worked out extremely in their favor, especially now knowing that they they didn't touch Derek Carr because I thought they were going to sp- spend another $150 million on Derek Carr as well. 
So they're, they're in a holding pattern on Derek Carr. And I think that's, I'm not sure that was the plan in February, by the way, Scott, because the Russell Wilson stuff came out of nowhere. The Aaron Rodgers stuff came shortly after that. And the Raiders were in, in, in the middle of both of those conversations. And they were. I have to imagine that they're still going to be if any of those conversations come back next February. So to me, I think they played their cards perfectly because they may have a rebuilt contractually signed offensive line. They drafted another weapon. They've got good wide receivers. They've got maybe the the, the best value tight end in, in, in football in Darren Waller. They improved their defense a little bit. I think that's easily their deficiency right now and has been for, you know, since the Khalil Mack era, honestly. Um, but the holding pattern that they took with the quarterback position when everybody in the world thought they were going to release Derek Carr, it may be one of the most brilliant moves in Raiders history because they may get one of these Hall of Fame quarterbacks on their roster in 2022. It's just uh, how funny how this all worked out. Speaking of good quarterbacks, you like what the Chargers have done for Justin Herbert? I do. Yeah, I do. A couple of offensive linemen, another weapon. Uh, the Mike Williams stuff. The wide receiver role there is a little bit iffy. I like Keenan Allen, but again, he he's an eight-game guy. I mean, he just can't stay healthy, unfortunately. It didn't replace Hunter Henry. This is a Zach Ertz destination. There's no question about it. Yeah. Um, this is just another year. By the way, new coach could be sneaky, sneaky good. Something to watch there. This is just another year, though, where I look at this team on paper and I think, I love them. And you're going to tell me they're probably at nine and a half or some number like that. And I'm going to say, well, they're definitely winning 11 because I love this team on paper. And then by October 1st, there's 97 guys injured and I hate myself. So then their special teams, uh, yeah, hurts them every year. Yeah. It's just, that's just it. All right. Let's give it to me. Give me the AFC yeah. West to round off the AFC here. Chiefs 12 and a half. Okay. Fine. Chargers nine and a half as you just <laughs> nailed. Denver's at eight and a half. And the Las Vegas Raiders are at six and a half. All right. I, I don't even need our, to wait for our show. I'm betting the over on the Raiders. I'm telling you that right now. I like Derek Carr. And I think what they've done is smart. So I'm, I'm going to bury the lead on the show for that one. I like that team a lot. Um, again, though, you know, go and bet the Chargers. I'm done doing it because <laughs> they break my heart every single uh, September slash October with their injuries. All right. Quick break. We'll be back for the NFC. All right, Scott. Sounds good. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, dedicated to serving the unique wealth management needs of athletes and top professionals in the sports and entertainment industry. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment strives to bring sports professionals the financial solutions they need, including access to financing to support prospective NFL and NBA athletes through the draft process. We're right around the uh, NBA draft corner, by the way. Find out more about Morgan Stanley's pre and post draft loan program at morganstanley.com GSE. It's morganstanley.com GSE. All right. Rapid fire NFC stuff, Scott. Dallas Cowboys. Dak's back. He's healthy. He's signed. Not a lot of other moves. A couple of defensive swaps. Mari Cooper and, and that crew still in the fold. You good with this roster? Yeah, I think I am. We'll see how that defense holds up. I believe they have a new defensive coordinator, uh, Dan Quinn, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. So we'll see if he can turn around that defense. But, I mean, yeah, getting Dak back. That, that's going to be an upgrade. We'll, we'll see how things move forward. They need a safety. I, I don't like their secondary, but if I look at the other quarterbacks in the division, I'm kind of okay 
Like, like if, if I'm Jerry Jones and that crew and I'm thinking, where, where can we maybe uh, stretch ourselves a little thin this offseason to squeeze in the money for Dak? I, I understand what they did because, you know, they're going to be able to stop Saquon. Jalen Hurts ain't going to beat him too often. And then Fitzpatrick and Washington at this point. You know what I mean? And when you look around the league, it's probably not the worst situation to be in. I, this team was good enough to win it all last year before Dak got hurt. They were on that kind of a path. I, I have no problem with that again. To me, it was just about getting Dak back and keeping him and making him happy. That's it. I'm excited for where that team could be. The Giants, they didn't sign Barkley yet. doesn't sound like they're going to sign Barkley coming off that injury. He probably needs about six weeks to prove that he can be Barkley again. Then he's getting $17 million a year. Are you good with that? Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I'm going to have to be. <laughs> You're done on the running back situation, huh? No, n- not necessarily, yeah. but... I feel that team has needs that they're going to have to figure out moving forward. We'll, we'll see what Daniel Jones does. Sure. Uh, you know, they made a couple of signings with their wide receiver. Let's but talk about I, it. Cause that's, I'm my not, gripe. I'm not in love with it. That, that's my gripe. The, the gripe is you and I spent months talking about how good this free agent crop was both in free agency, excuse me, the wide receiver crop, both in free agency and in the draft. And then after it's all said and done, the Giants give Kenny Galladay $18 million a year when nobody else was getting half of that. Everybody else was getting way under market value because there was such a surplus out there. The Giants don't have the reputation problem that the Jets do right now. You know, I understand Daniel Jones isn't Aaron Rodgers, but there's enough there to, to, to at least attract talent. So the fact that they had to overpay that much for Kenny Galladay, to me, that's, that might be a disaster. Within a year and a half, they might hate the hell out of that contract. So uh, I know I do right now. I'll tell you that. The Eagles moved on from Wentz. This is an easy one for me. They gave Joe Flacco like three and a half million guaranteed early, like right away. Like, hey, we got to get Joe Flacco in here to get behind Jalen Hurts. Do you think anybody's ever said that out loud besides me and the general and and Howie Roseman (laughs) ever? Like, who's saying that right now? Yeah, that's a mind-boggling. It's like saying I need John right Carlos Stanton to come steal some bases for us. Let's acquire him. What are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is not this is not a thing that needed to happen in April or March with that much with with three times as much guaranteed as the vet minimum offers. That just didn't need to happen. Joe Fleck was a hell of a guy. He was he was a hell of a quarterback for a while there. It, it was just a rushed move. And oh by the way. <laughs> They even went and got Nick Mullins away from San Francisco. That kid started some good games for the 49ers. Yeah, he did. So had they done nothing with Joe Flacco and then just signed Nick Mullins, I think we no one would even say a word. We'd be like, oh, that's not a bad little backup signing for Jalen Hurts. So to me, I, I don't even know. I get it. They're, they're in dead cap hell right now. They're just purging through this year and hoping Jalen Hurts has, you know, shows some moments and potential. Uh, so I'm, not, I'm certainly not, you know, expecting much from them. And I don't think they're expecting much from themselves either. But why you needed to do that. I mean, if it, maybe Joe Flacco is the greatest active quarterbacks coach available. You know, maybe he is. Maybe maybe there's just a reputation where when this guy sits in a room or on a bench with a clipboard, the knowledge is just pouring out of his mouth. I don't think so because he seems kind of quiet to me. But, but otherwise, three and a half for him, it ain't going to work for me. You're a Washington football team, Scott. Uh, I think some people would have a problem with Fitzpatrick, knowing that they were in on Stafford. They were in on all of it, all, all the options. I, I don't have a problem with it because I think we've talked about it. This team defensively is is superior. 
They did keep their offensive line intact for the most part. They lost Trent Williams. They, they did sort of replace him, I guess. They have weapons. They added a weapon in Curtis Samuel. They added another running back. They have three running backs, three wide receivers, and at least Logan Thomas has a tight end option right now, maybe two good options. That should be enough for a competent Fitzpatrick to, to win some games, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think you can, you know, conversation has been, are these quarterbacks going to end up splitting, you know, games? Is Fitzpatrick sure. going to be in for six and then he bombs and then they got to go to Heineke and then he bombs and then you bring in Allen? Is it going to be a rotating quarterback situation? I don't think we'll so. see. Yeah, I don't I, think I, so. I don't think so either. The, the weapons are there. If Fitzpatrick can maintain a decent, um, not throwaway games, I, I think that team is good. I think the big question with this team is Brandon Scherf. Yeah, injury. What do you wise. do? Yeah, well, injury wise, you're paying a, a guard that much money. What, what do you do moving forward? That that's the big conversation that's been down here. Is they won't oh, double tag him if that's what you're asking. So he's probably going to walk, and at least be able to test the open market. You're not going to double tag a guard on on 18 million times right. 144 percent. It ain't going to happen. No, or 120 percent. So, um, so to me, he's going to hit the open market. That's what's going to happen there. But, um. Look, there's a lot to be said about this roster, but I, I sort of opened this division and how I'll close it. If I'm the Washington football team, Dallas is the class of this division. I assume that's what the win, win totals say as well, maybe by a half game or so. All Ryan Fitzpatrick has to do is beat the Giants and the, and the Eagles, and they'll be in wild card contention. And I think, I think they looked at him and looked at the rest of the roster and said, I think that's enough. I think for $10 million guaranteed, you know, they probably would have done the same thing with Andy Dalton if the Bears didn't get him like February 1st for whatever damn reason. But I think they need nine to 10 wins to, to hit a wild card. And I bet they're, I bet they're eight and a half at FanDuel right now. Scott, why don't you give us the win, win projections? Yeah, Dallas is at nine and a half. Washington's at eight and a half. <laughs> Giants are at seven and the Eagles are at uh, six and a half. Exactly. So... If Dallas runs away with this thing, like I think they would, Washington's just got to do enough to, to vie for that wild card spot. I think that's exactly what their team building process told me this entire offseason. So I'm on board with what they did. Chicago Bears. I mentioned Andy Dalton. It, it's not as bad as the Flacco thing because, you know, Dalton's going to be a legitimate starter if they need him and want him to be. Also, they did that way before this Justin Fields situation happened, right? So they had Dalton already locked in. They had they'd already called him a QB1 on Twitter, right? And then Justin Fields drops to 10 or 11, whatever the hell it was. And they did the right move taking him there. The, the funny thing, Scott, to me is Allen Robinson was going to walk. He, he was out. like he, he, was, he, he had an $18 million franchise tag. He hadn't signed it. It was his second tag. I thought for sure he was going to demand a trade like Antonio Brown. Get me the H out of here. I want to go catch balls from a team that's going to win games. And then all of a sudden these, you know, the Justin Fields thing happened and a couple of more moves happened and the team sort of started to round into form and he signed immediately and he's going to play on it. So they have a chance to be competent is my point. And then the Aaron Rodgers thing in the division, there's just a lot of moving parts. Stafford's out. Um, my guess is, Scott, that this team, this was a playoff team, by the way, last year. My guess is that they're going to be right there with Minnesota as like the the the, the 1B of this division. And, and I think that's how they should treat themselves. So I don't have any gripes 
I, I really don't. I, I think they could have purged some defensive players and got a little bit cap friendlier for next season specifically. But I think what they've done here is enough. They built that. What they did is they rebuilt their reputation a little bit this offseason. So you win some games now, you'll have a really good reputation heading to next year and maybe a good young quarterback in Justin Fields. The uh, I, I don't feel as good about the Lions, Scott. What did the Lions do wrong? Traded for Jared Goff. <laughs> okay, it's my answer is sort of that. I think they waited a year too long to trade Matt Stafford. You know, we talked about Aaron Judge. You know, Cousin Dan's been all over this. You got to trade him right now, like in the next 12 days. Because the second it gets past this trade deadline and he is looking at his last year of arbitration, everybody in the world is going to be talking about trading Aaron Judge. Whereas right now, it's just shocking enough that you may get a great deal, that you may get that one extra asset that that you won't be able to get this December. I think that's what they missed on with Matt Stafford. I think if they had done this in December or, or in, in January, February of 2020, and I realized there was a hell of a lot going on then, things would have gone a lot better for them in terms of the return and the roster that they could have then built up this year with quarterback X, whatever it was going to be. So to me, that's what I think happened, that they didn't realize, they, they didn't look themselves in the mirror early enough and say, we got to do right by him and by us and move on from this. It's been a good run, but it's time. I think they hung on a little bit too long is, is all I have to say. I have no confidence in this team. I can't wait to see what the number is going to be. Uh, don't tell me yet. Uh, riddle me this. Can we even have a Green Bay Packers conversation? Not yet. <laughs> TB, TBD. It has to be because we all know Yeah, camp's coming. what the elephant in the room is. Do you like that they signed Aaron Jones? We can have that conversation. I do like it if they assumed Aaron Rodgers is going forward, but now that that is in limbo, uh, that that's an iffy signing. The only reason I like it, and I killed it, I killed it because they drafted a running back two years ago in the in the second round. They 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 showed all the signs of turning over that position properly, like every team has been doing, and and honestly, they showed all, all the signs of doing it at the quarterback position too when they when they drafted Jordan Love. I expected it was going to be next offseason. I think that's still what it's going to be. But the only silver lining for me, Scott, is that Aaron Jones' deal is essentially a one-year deal. I mean, they're going to take a little bit of a dead cap bath next year, like nine seven five. But in the grand scheme of things, what the hell is that? If they have to move on from him, they can trade him. Nothing's even guaranteed next year at all. Like it's just, it, it, it's a one year, $12 million contract essentially. So, or, you know, there's 13 million built into it. So I'm fine from that perspective. And now Scott, knowing what we know with the Ryder situation, it better be a one year deal, right? Because who the hell knows where the Packers are going to be in 2022, 23. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'm not going to kill that signing yet either because structurally speaking, it works for the modern running back contract. All right. I'm going to let you take the Minnesota Vikings. Is this Minnesota a good team? Vikings. Actually, start start with their win. What is their win projection? Eight Seven, and a half. Eight and a half. So they are as high as like the Chargers and the Washington football team. Around there, right? Chargers yeah, they're, they're, are they're, they're, they're saying they're saying they're 
equal with Denver, Tennessee, Washington. Right? Are they saying Tennessee? Tennessee's at nine. Tennessee's at nine. Nine. Okay. I, my point is, I don't know if anyone really knows what this team is, themselves included. Um, they're up against the cap. They run up against the cap every year. They're there again now. They had to restructure the hell out of that roster to, to, to really make ends meet. I like the defensive line moves in keeping Daniel Hunter and signing Delvin Tomlinson. That's fine. They're playing fire with fire on the secondary in terms of one-year contracts and, and franchise tags and all that, that stuff. I, look, Kirk Cousins is fully guaranteed through next year. So, I mean, you can talk about his extension as the problem with this team, and it very well might be. That was last year. It wasn't this offseason. It was last year. Um, I don't know where we go from here because you're stuck in the mud with a $35 million Kirk Cousins situation. Honestly, it's $53 million guaranteed is what it is. So you just yeah, have to try to win. You just have to win. Yeah, they do. And Kirk Cousins needs to needs to perform because if this next two years goes south really bad, um, it, it's a bad look for fully guaranteed contracts for the, for oh, the league. It's a great point because he had two of them in a row. You're right. It's a great point. Um, yeah. Uh, enough. That's it, enough. It, it, yeah. So the win, win, win totals here, eight and a half for Minnesota, Chicago, seven and a half. Wow. Detroit is at five. Wow. Green Bay is TBD. FanDuel Sportsbook does not have Green Bay on there, obviously, because of Aaron Rodgers. So Minnesota is eight and a half. They're the top. So Green Bay will be nine, nine and a half around there if and when yeah, Aaron I, comes back. Yeah, I, I would guess they'd probably be at nine, maybe even 10. NFC South, the Falcons restructured Matt Ryan again. Julio Jones is out the door. It's a brand new front office. All that good stuff. I don't know. <laughs> you were already locked into Matt Ryan. So you couldn't just rip it off. You couldn't do it. Like Nobody was going to take on the contract. And you couldn't afford the dead cap to get rid of the contract. So they did what they had to do. And I like the Kyle Pitts. I, I think they did the right things. I think they did everything right, honestly. Maybe did they, they do enough on the defensive no, side? No, they didn't. But they know they didn't. Like it, it wasn't about adding more money right now by any by any regard. It was about, we'll, we'll take the draft picks we can get because that's cheap. That's good value. Let's not do anything free agent-wise. That's going to that's gonna ruin us more than a year. I, I expect like mid-season cuts, maybe a couple of trades. I expect more subtraction from this roster and I think up until that point, they've done everything else probably okay. They they got themselves cap neutral. They're 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 where they need to be. I mean, there's work to be done there still just to sign some of these draft picks. But uh, I'm not going to crush them too much anymore because they were stuck with that quarterback contract. That was a that is where restructuring can really get you because when you, if it's if you're ready to get out, if that contract is not, there's nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. There's no you know, there's no safety release valve when you restructure three, four times on one contract like that. So that's what they're finding out. Panthers move on from Bridgewater. They bring in Sam Darnold. That's, I, I imagine that's many people's deficiency. Where are you on Sam Darnold in this division on that team? I don't know if I want to say it's a deficiency because it, under the right, under the right, uh, we, we've been saying it for years. You know, you get a, a player, goes to a new team, gets new culture. This could be what Sam Darnold needs because we've all thought he had a high ceiling. And if he goes there and he succeeds, 
then it was the right move. If he goes and he does not succeed, then his career is going to be done. And then, you know, at least at least the Panthers took a chance on the high ceiling that could be. Um, Let me throw this by you real quick. Let's let's, let's do this division all in once because we spent so much time in the Buccaneers and the Saints, honestly, with their moves. Yeah. Let's talk about it from this air for two minutes. Which quarterback do you like the most in this division from a 17-game standpoint? Matt Ryan, Sam Darnold, Jameis Winston, or 44-year-old Tom Brady? Who played on a torn MCO. Um I guess Matt Ryan. Point, I guess, yeah, I guess my point is this. If Brady's injured even a little bit, they're uh, they're down to earth now. That that team is now down to earth. I mean, yes, yes, Fournette can carry some games. There's some really good, you know, wide receiver weapons and certainly the tight ends. But Matt Ryan's the most one of the most competent quarterbacks in this division now. Correct. I mean, I mean the Saints should really normalize. I I'd, I'd be shocked if they win 10 games. Shocked. Vegas has to be what? 8 and a half? No, probably 9. Probably nine and a half. They're probably still high in the Saints, right? Nine. I'd be shocked if they win 10. I really would. I mean, what's Atlanta at? Six, six and a half, probably? Seven and a half. That, that's what I'm talking about. That's, so you tell me there, there can't be a scenario where there's a two-game swing in this division and the Atlanta Falcons yeah. are competing for a wild card, even right. if Brady's yeah. healthy? They, and they have them as uh, Carolina at seven and a half and exactly. Tampa Bay's at 11 and a half. Exactly. So, so Brady gets dinged up for four games. Let's put it that way. Now all of a sudden, the rest of the division is right there, and I'd put Matt, and I'd put Matt Ryan above Sam Darnold and Jameis Winston or T- Taysom Hill, whatever you have to do. I just would. So I don't sleep on this division being wrapped up just because you're going to continue to hear. Well, the Buccaneers brought back 22 starters from the Super Bowl and they borrowed $53 million using voidable contracts and they did everything right. They were the, the most brilliant franchise of the offseason. It definitely went very well for Tampa Bay, but Tom Brady's almost 44. All right. And you take one hit the wrong way and Blaine Gabbert's playing or Ryan Griffin's playing. And I take Matt Ryan in that scenario. I take Matt Ryan with Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts and, you know, some 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 other kids who want to show their stuff and make some money. Okay. NFC West. You like the Cardinals? Things started to go really well, for, you know, in February when JJ Watt picked them. So I, I do, but <laughs> Vegas does not. Eight. Eight. Man, I, I am not looking. Just so you know, <laughs> I should have. Oh, I, we should have done this. Um, and they're the low of the division. Well, yeah, this division's unbelievable. I mean, just unbelievable. So you, they're going to lose to some of these division rivals. So I understand mm-hmm. that number now. But San Francisco, are they eight and a half? No. Shut the hell up. Ten? Ten and a half. Give, give me all four. We're going to work backwards on this one. San Francisco, ten and a half. Division Los favorites? Angeles, Los Angeles Rams, ten and a half. Okay. okay. Seattle, ten. Arizona eight. All right. There's a world where the 49ers are in last place. Pretty easily for me. I, I have no idea what their quarterback position is going to be. I like I obviously like what it could be, but why Arizona's got to be a coaching thing. It's got to be a coaching thing. I, I I mean, you throw Zach Ertz on this roster, which I think they're the third team in the mix. Bills, Chargers, Cardinals, that would be my guess. 
And the sky, DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green, the running back position is a little bit deficient. I, I get that. James Conner, injury history, you know, AJ Green, injury history, fine. You'd get, you'd, in my opinion, you'd be better off betting Kyler Murray wins the MVP and Arizona wins the division than anything else. Because everybody's going to be in on the Rams. Everybody's going to be in on Stafford. You know, Russell's going to be a sexy pick because he's, he's going to come out of the gate jumping like he's been doing the, the past decade. You know, they're going to have four or five really great weeks. And then who knows if they can sustain it from a defensive standpoint. They're still trying to fix their defense, by the way. It's happening right now in real time. So there's probably two more signings coming to that side of the ball for them. I, I, I'm not against how these win projections break out. And the Rams are my other Super Bowl team. You know that. So, I don't know. How would you rank them right now? Let's finish on that. Seattle's going to throw the hell out of the ball. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they are. They have three wide receivers now. You know, the kid they just drafted and Metcalf and Lockett, who's now locked in long term. I mean, Russell's got a comfortable, consistent, experienced group there. And they brought back Chris Carson. So they have a, they have three to four running back options, all of which are, you know, in terms of Russell, reliable, experienced. They win what, 10 games. Yeah. They win 10 Vegas games. Obviously, Vegas obviously thinks that either Jimmy or Trey Lance are going to allow the 49ers to still win at least 10 games. The defense is great. They are sort of. <laughs> I, I don't know. This I, is a I, really I, fun I, division. I, I, we're going to have to workshop this on a show, Scott, and maybe in a couple articles because there's a lot of new faces here. You know, I mean, Arizona did a lot of damage in terms of those little pieces, J.J. Watt being one of them. The Rams obviously changed the most important position. So we think the 49ers did too, and the Seattle Seahawks almost did. So do you, do you bump Seattle knowing that they have to perform for Russell? Is that a thing? Otherwise, Russell's going to the Raiders? Yeah, that's interesting thought. Yeah, possibly. Man. Possibly. I, I, we definitely finished with the right division. 49ers, I mean, I get they have two young wide receiver guys, but outside of that... I don't love their wide receivers. I don't either. So you have you've got these two potential quarterbacks, and you're going to throw. Obviously, they have George Kittle. I can't so believe they didn't acquire Julio Jones. Yeah, I really uh, can't, Scott. So this is why this is why I always say I, I like to see teams take a chance. You know, I follow the basketball. Phoenix Suns. They took a chance on even more reason to bet Arizona. Chris Scott. Paul. Even more reason. Right? Yeah, right. Because if if they make those acquisitions and they make those uh, risks, you, you really have nothing to lose by trying to, you know, make that move, especially in the division that we're looking at. They have three teams at 10 or 10 and a half wins, and then Arizona is at eight. You know, it... Any of these three teams at 10, if there is a significant injury on any of those teams, Arizona and, and say Arizona stays healthy, you know, anything can happen in that division. 
here's my deficiencies per team in this in this group because it's a very polarizing division. Arizona's got injury injury prone players all over the sport. They're they're taking chances on players who can't stay on the field. They're named players. AJ I mentioned them. AJ Green, James Conner, JJ Watt. I, they're all over the board. If any of those things work out, though, it should go well. The Rams probably don't have the best offensive line in this division. Maybe the worst. And I know Seattle had the, had a whole offseason where Russell bitched about his, but the Rams could have a real real struggle there, especially in terms of depth. And you just mentioned the 49ers. They've got defensive injuries. I mean, D Ford may never play again. Nick Bosa is coming off a serious injury. I'm not even sure he's week one ready. So how good is that defense going to be out of the gate, knowing how great this division around them is? They they have to win. They that defense has to win them games, and I'm not sure that they're healthy enough to do it. And then Seattle, I, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to not listen to Russell. Obviously, their offensive line is their problem. He's saying it out loud through his agent, right? So uh, did they do enough? I don't know. Can they do more? Probably, but there's a world where this is Seattle and the Rams with the Cardinals and the 49ers tied for last place, right? Pretty easily. Yes. Okay. Maybe Vegas isn't so stupid, huh? Let's let's make that the parting shot of this conversation. Okay. How many teams are now? We'll have a win. We'll have a total a win total conversation actually later. I like that we kind of brought it in early though, and it's fascinating that Green Bay's off the board. It's fascinating that they don't know how to... Are they just afraid to put a number out there for Jordan Love because people would bet it? Yes. Yeah, because once Aaron Rodgers comes back, it's two. It's at least two wins more, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They, you, you have to hold off. It's sort of like when a, you know, a massive trade or something happens and then they, they pull down the, the odds for Super Bowl winners or whatever for the time being yep. because you, you don't want, you know... Uh, the the flip from one side to the other and the money being exchanged and throwing things off. So I, I think they're doing the right thing by holding off until we find out who is actually going to be on that roster. It's going to be interesting to see how long that stays off because as we get closer to September, yep. you know, what if, what if we don't know? Aaron I think Rodgers. they expect him to report to camp. So yeah, this week's a huge week for it, Scott. You're right. If he doesn't, I don't know what they have to do. You're right. Did they just make him a non-bettable entity? It's getting closer to week one, right? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Let's finish with this. What's the biggest efficiency of the offseason in the NFL? The biggest miss, the biggest efficiency, the biggest mistake? Hmm. I'm not sure. Okay. Hmm. Give it a second. <laughs> I, I don't know. What do you have? I'm contemplating a few here. Um, I, I do have one. It just hit me. All right. It it was the the lack of reporting or communication of the league leading into the free agency year, dealing with the. Cap. the the cap and the new TV money and when it was going to come in and, and and all of that because we we were they gamed days, the system didn't they we were days away and we still didn't know what the cap was going to be and you know I'm going to go with that lack of communication with knowing what the financial outlook would be for teams. Hmm. I like it. I mean, we bitched a lot about the cap situation. 
Yeah, because a lot rode on those franchise tags because we need to know how much it was going up or down based on calculating those franchise tags. It had a, an effect on rookie scale, even though the, the, the draft was two months later. There was so much riding on that cap moving forward. Teams didn't know how to operate. I'm going to because- piggyback off of this, Scott. I'm going to piggyback off of this because I did it a lot back then. And you're right. It's, it's a good time to bring it back into the conversation. I'm still pissed off that the league dropped the salary cap $10 million. Yes. yes. That's the biggest deficiency. And don't tell me that there, there were, there were CBA, CBA language that said that they had to align it with the, with the revenue flow and that it had to be a certain percentage of blah, 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 blah. It didn't have to happen. You allowed your teams to spend less this year. You allowed them to spend, to spend less. Whereas the only argument against keeping it 198.2 would have been, well, certain teams who, had, who, who, were, finan- who were better financially off because of the situations of their owners would be able to spend more and, and other teams would... This isn't Major League Baseball. We don't have a, there's no Pittsburgh Pirates in this league. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no Cleveland Indians in this league. Nobody's trying not to spend in the NFL. Nobody. Do you know who the well, lowest that- cash flow is in the NFL right now? I just looked. Who's got the lowest cash allocated to 2021? <laughs> it's it's going to Jacksonville. No, you're going to laugh your ass off when you hear the city. I just said it. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, <laughs> so the Pittsburgh Pirates of the NFL are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jeez. Okay. So maybe Pittsburgh's just a lot poorer than I give it credit for. I've been there quite a bit. It doesn't seem to be that much of a small city. I think it's a medium sized city. Dallas is a 268 cash wise. Pittsburgh Steelers are at 168. It's exactly $100 million between the top and the bottom. That's just the NFL. If I go back 15 years of cash flow, which I have here in front of me, it's going to be pretty darn close to that throughout. Okay, And that, there's nothing wrong with that because there's a, there's a floor. There's, the CBA is built to take care of competitive balance and parity, and it, and it happens. I mean, look, the Cowboys, you know, the Patriots got there a lot of years in a row, not because they spent a lot. You know, you know what I mean? In fact, they spent... 15th, 16th in the league. So tell me you t- tell me why you had to drop the cap. Tell me why you had to drop it. Because you were worried that the Dallas Cowboys were going to still spend 270? No. They were going to do it no matter what. We just yeah. had a team go from go from 106 million over in the New Orleans Saints to 12 under in, fi- that, in 5 it, months. The it, impossible it, happened pretty darn easily for them. So don't tell me anything. Go. Don't tell me anything. Nobody had to drop the cap. All you did is get is you took away jobs and you took away middle middle class contracts by doing that. It's BS. It's a shame they did it then. It's an even more of a shame now having to see the carnage happen and seeing good players without contracts right now still. Really good players. And on July 18th, guys who are now sitting around waiting for injuries to happen in trading cap, which stinks. Yeah. It, it was a detriment to the league as far as roster standpoints because these teams are banking on the cap going up year after year. And when you drop it that much, it, it, it does throw a massive wrinkle in the roster building, all that dead cap that happens. And this is the exact reason why the NBA did what they did, you know, keep it flat for the next year and then at least build in some rising years. It, so the teams knew at least from a roster the NBA construction is a standpoint league and the NFL is not, and it never will be great point. That's why that that's why one stayed neutral and one dropped $10 million. And that's, that's a damn shame. 
Okay. Because you're right, Scott. Our, our conversations have to come together because at the exact same time that they announced that the cap was going down 10 million, four hours later, they announced a $300 billion television deal in March of 2023. And those two things can't be in the same conversation. And they are. And there's nothing the players can do about it because last year, amidst the pandemic, they forced a bunch of rookies to, cite, to say yes to a CBA that destroyed veterans. <laughs> just Correct. did. So in back-to-back years, you had an NFL showing exactly how much they love their owners. And that's that's a damn shame. That's a damn shame. Good stuff, man. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your first year subscription. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. Financial solutions for NFL and NBA perspective draft clients, by the way. MorganStanley.com slash GSE gets you started. And of course, balancedbridge.com. Financial solutions for the athlete, the free agent, the, the under contract, lock in your guarantees. They, have, they know the right solutions to manage all of your investment and future earnings. Balancebridge.com get you started today. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. 